0: i got to close my Shell Silverstein sex tab.
1: Yeah, cl- close that one down.
0: <laughs> okay, that's gone. It was open for way too long.
1: I'm Alex Higley. And I'm
0: Lindsay Hunter. And, and I'm a, a writer. writer, but... <laughs>
1: I
2: got a spicy hot take. Dr. Seuss books suck, man.
1: They're sure. Let's let's just <laughs> yeah, let's go with it. Yeah,
2: they're 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 way too long. And it's all about letting strangers in your house. Like who's who's trying to have that? <laughs> Who okay this?
0: They are really long.
1: Uh-huh. Very long. Yeah. And
0: you'll and it's like the pages are thin.
1: Mm, and thin then pages.
0: there'll be like four columns of text. I know it is. It's yeah. it's, it's you know,
1: it's, it's overrated. Repetitive. And oh, it's yeah.
0: repetitive, yes. Yeah,
1: yeah. But he,
0: Dr. Seuss never had children, so he definitely hated children, right?
1: Wow, I didn't know he never had children. Probably. Same thing oh, with that... Shel Silverstein. Oh, wow. really?
0: Yeah. Wow. Yeah, Shell Silverstein like, was cool, like a huh? sex freak.
1: Really? That's. I, mean, I, <laughs> I don't know if that's freaking... the right.
0: <laughs> no, I think that's
1: exactly the right phrase, sex freak. Right? Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, yeah, in the he... dictionary. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I but... think I saw a tweet that he may have had sex with like a thousand women. Damn. You know what?
1: Like Will Chamberlain style? I mean, those are some numbers. I gotta.
0: <laughs> Shelf. But I also feel
2: like being really six. horny and having children are not mutually exclusive. Absolutely. No, that's not. absolutely you
0: know? true. <laughs> like, that's absolutely one thing definitely true. can lead to the other. I've heard that that's how babies are made, but I'm not a million percent sure on that. Check on yeah. that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh,
2: yeah. Um, I just put I the sheet over my head and let go and let God.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Man, we're learning a lot already. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, yeah. this is straight up science. You didn't realize we were going to get science in a literary podcast. (laughs) Absolutely. We're
0: writers, but we're scientists. Yeah. (laughs) Kind of. (laughs) Welcome and with us today is Chris L. Terry. He's the author of the novel Black Card about a mixed race punk bassist with a black imaginary friend. NPR called Black Card hilariously searing and listed it as one of the best books of 2019. Terry's debut novel Zero Fade was on best of 2013 lists by Slate and Kirkus Reviews who called it original, hilarious, thought provoking, and wicked smart, not to be missed in a starred review. Terry was born in 1979 to a black father and white mother. He lives in Los Angeles where he teaches creative writing and works as a screenwriter. His work has appeared in Best Small Fictions 2015, Pank, Very Smart Brothers, The Root, Apogee, Razorcake, and more. Welcome, Chris. Hi. Hey,
2: hey, Alex. Hey, Lindsay. How's it going? Welcome.
0: Hey. We're so excited that you're here and we're so excited to hear what you are about to read to us.
2: Thank you. I am amped to be here. Should I dive in?
0: Yes, please. Dive in. I'm going to read
2: from the very beginning of, of my most recent novel, Black Card. Yay. Here we go. I was finally black again. I sat on my bed waiting for proof. Gray smoke oozed under my bedroom door and through the crack where windowpane met frame. The popping of needle-on-vinyl started so loud that I rubbed my thumb across my fingertips, expecting to clench the sound. A grimy hip-hop beat kicked in with distorted drums, bass that rolled a pencil across my desk, and a half-measured loop of a soul singer wailing. I steeled myself against the hurricane, pushing toes against floor, elbows against knees as I leaned in and bobbed my head, short but loose, striking that 10th grade balance of icy cool outside and whirring inside. I jumped when Lucius kicked the bedroom door open. His baggy jeans made a flag in the wind snap as he stomped his boot. A black hoodie covered the top half of his face, but not his sparse goatee or the zit under his right cheekbone. I watched in silence, averting an identity crisis with every word I didn't say, every gesture I didn't make. The door slammed shut behind him, and he stepped to the middle of the small room, a husky specter floating in the sickly light. He jabbed his chin at me, and I stood to face him, thumbs in my hoodie's kangaroo pocket, shoulders and head back, equally ghoulish. You had a big day, bro, he said, his voice deep and and rough for a teenager, cutting through the hip-hop beat. I nodded. Let's see the highlights. He stepped to my right and pointed at the closed door. A beam of light shot through the opening between my curtains, and a countdown flickered above the doorknob. Four, three, two, one. Lucius crossed his arms, and we stood side by side on the scuffed floorboards, watching the makeshift screen. Part one, black and white footage of me in a polyester PE uniform standing on a gleaming wood floor. My eyes widen in surprise when a basketball lands in my hands. Then I seem to push it away. The camera follows the ball's arc across the paint and through the net. Quick pan back to my face, shifting into a sunny grin as I hit a three-part handshake with another kid and hustle off camera. All right, Lucius said. "You was lucky to hit that shot, but the daps at the end sealed the deal. I'm glad we've been practicing. I nodded and said, me too, then kept my head moving with the beat and we turned back to the door. Part two. A montage of me standing at my school bus stop with a slim backpack slung from one shoulder, slouching at a desk in class and sprawling alone on my grandparents' couch watching TV. In each shot, my eyes sparkle, my nose wrinkles, and I bring the top of my right fist to my mouth like I'm rocking an invisible microphone. Now that's the way to laugh, said Lucius. We don't cheese. They don't need to see our teeth. This ain't a slave auction. I did a pursed lip smile and then flipped my hood up over my head, too. Part three. Me on my bed an hour before, cradling a phone on my shoulder. The music in the room quiets to forefront the staticky voice of one of my old friends up north whining, I can't understand you. Did you just say you wanted to ax me something? Mm-hmm. Lucius ran his eyes over my pale, freckled face and kinky, red-brown hair. Your mixed ass might not really look like us, but the least you can do is try and sound like us. I smiled again, agreeing silently. Lucius punched my shoulder. Then we repeated the handshake I did in P.E finishing by bumping chests to fists lucia stood back the music cut out and the light grew angelic and bright i sat on the bed as he swelled his chest and spoke with the gravity of an award presenter now i know you've been having your doubts you were black by default growing up around those white folks in the suburbs but this move changed a few things you finally got around us brothers and realized them rap tapes didn't make you black he pointed to my dresser where hip-hop and alternative rock cassettes mingled freely on a plastic rack think about how far you've come, he said. The basketball players in your history class stopped clowning you for asking why they call each other shorty. You stopped wearing that Beastie Boys t-shirt you got at the beach. He shook his head sadly at my raggedy andy looking fro. If only we could get you to a barber on the regular. I smiled sheepishly and touched my hair, my blackest feature. Still, Lucius continued, you realize that dropping the G from skateboarding didn't make it any less white boy. He held the palm up. Now I know you've been showing me these skateboard magazines and they got some brothers in there, but it doesn't go like that down here in Richmond, VA. We old school down South. Besides, you got to know the rules before you break them. I fought the urge to roll my eyes and use my heel to nudge my skateboard further under the bed. Lucius continued, hands joined inside his hoodie pocket. Now I know you've been going through some tragic mulatto nonsense since you got here, feeling like no place is your place, but I see you working hard and it's starting to come natural. Lucius paused, watching me whip fist to mouth, a second too late to cover my grin. And then he said, that's why I'm finally presenting you with this. Thank you. Awesome.
0: You know, I really want to, I feel like one thing we haven't talked about on this pod is what it feels like to put out a book and to have people read it and to, um, like, even how, you know, like, well-received Black Card was. I mean, what... (sighs) Can you just describe what it felt like, you know, like writing it, getting it accepted? What was that like yeah. for you?
2: I think, I think writing a book is a huge leap of faith, right? It has to be this weird thing where you're like cocky enough to believe that all the time and energy you're putting into it is going to pay off, but you also have to be kind of insecure and self-critical enough to like try to make it good and not just like shit it out. So it's a lot of stress. Um, And I had... You know, it was, it was my, my second novel and, you know, I, I thought it would be easier in some ways. Like the first one was like, I need to prove to myself that I can write a book. Then I was like, oh, now I need to prove to myself that that wasn't a fluke. And also I just moved across the country and got married and became a parent and changed careers. Um, so there was, it was a, a lot of just trying to really, really n- not wanting to lose touch with the part of myself that was an author while all these other things were going on in my life and just carving out that time where I could.
0: Um, how do you, like, how did you make sure, because that's such a, an, I think, an important thing, you know, I think that's like one of the main um, <laughs> reasons that people are successful is because you, you don't lose touch with that part of you. Like, how did you make sure through the move and through becoming a father that you were staying in touch with that?
2: Yeah, um, I thought about what I wanted. Uh, and it, it, it felt kind of good to have an enemy which is not my child, um, it was my job. <laughs> so <laughs> I, was, um, I, was, I was doing marketing writing, like working as a copywriter um, mm-hmm. and it was okay. Uh, it's feel, it's, I was lucky to be able to use my creativity and make a living doing it. But, you know, it's, it's kind of that feeling of being like right next to what you wanna be doing, mm-hmm. which is also really frustrating. You know, if I was still bartending, it would be different. Um, I could be like, this is completely not it. So it, it, it is, I'm using a different part of my brain. Um, But it was kind of the like, maybe if things go well, and I write this book, and I publish it, maybe something will happen where I don't have to write another shoe catalog, you know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I I let that be my motivator. Um, And honestly, I've stopped working in marketing almost two years ago now. And it's something I'm I'm kind of dealing with now is like that I'm not as hungry in that way. I don't have, Mm -hmm. I don't have the the enemy that I'm trying to write against, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't feel like I'm sticking it to somebody by working on a book. And that probably says some stuff about my terrible, like oppositional personality, but (laughs) everybody has a reason,
0: right? Everybody has their reason. (laughs) No,
1: that's exactly. I can relate to that so, so much, Chris, as far as just, you know, sometimes a job that isn't necessarily connected to your writing or whatever (laughs) kind of making you do in your life, it really can charge you up for that brief amount of time that you have with it. I mean, similar to what we were talking about with you know, counting the minutes in between when your kid's going to bed and when you can start working on what you want to, that, that is valuable. I feel like having that oppositional kind of just challenge in your day can really, uh, make you value the time you do have for sure.
2: Yeah. I mean, writing is greedy. And so it's kind of like, this is, Mm -hmm. this is my time and this is me kind of getting back in touch with an important part of myself. That's important to me. Um, yeah, I, I feel that.
1: What is the, what, what are you doing now for work? If you're uh, not doing the marketing writing anymore. Yeah. Um, I'm doing screenwriting
2: work. Um, and so I got, I got hired to write a TV pilot based on black card. Um, oh, so,
0: that's yeah.
2: amazing. So Thank
0: excited. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Thanks. I feel oh. it. it's like a wild tone deaf time to have good professional news. Cause no, it's no, great. It's so it. cool okay. here. We're it's starved amazing. for it. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So I'm doing, I'm doing that. I'm so I'm, a cable network hired me to write one and I'm almost done with that. Then I find out if they're going to do anything with it, which is also nerve wracking. Um, And I'm also um, adapting an old sci-fi book with another friend of mine for a a streaming network. Um, I'm not sure, like, I'm sorry if it sounds like I'm being vague, but I'm so new to this. I don't want to like blow up my spot and I'm not sure what it's okay to like talk about. No I'm not, I don't know about naming names. Um, yeah, do your thing, whatever. But I'm, so I'm, I'm doing the screenwriting work and I'm pretty new to it. I haven't really written scripts before. I like writing dialogue. So it's like not that much of a jump, but it's still new. Um, and this is also a job that I actually care about. Whereas, you know, when I was writing ads I didn't have the same emotional investment in it aside from the fact that I didn't want to be like a deadbeat dad, you know? Um, so it's, it's kind of also kind of navigating like how much of my creative energy I can put into the stuff i'm working on under these these scripts um so that it goes so that they're good so that i can do it again so that i don't have to write more ads um and so that i don't like self-sabotage in some way which i don't entirely trust myself not to do Um, (laughs) oh my
0: gosh we talk about that all the time what is that like alex and i were talking about like oh i'm scared that i'm lazy or i'm scared that i'm not gonna do you know like what Mm -hmm that's I mean maybe that's the adversary really is like this deep belief that like you're a loser oh yeah <laughs> and oh yeah I think every writer might struggle with that
2: yeah yeah just like super super duper insecure like mm-hmm. um yeah and it's also like or is, is this like a, a one-time thing is this all going to stop so it's yeah. also like trying to find that energy to I'm working on a third book as well um, and it was oh. kind of you know I, I can blame the pandemic to a certain extent uh but you know, I, had, I hadn't touched it for a couple of months and I'm just back to it. I made a new year's resolution to do like 500 words every weekday until the end of March. And that ought to help me get a draft done. Um, yes. So I got the story in my head. I got the book up there, but it's kind of figuring out what gets, what gets my energy now that I care about more stuff. And that's, you know, the screenwriting, a book and having a kid,
0: of course. Mm-hmm.
1: How do you so I, juggle the, can, give me a sense of what your day looks like when you're working on these projects. Are you, is, you know okay, nine to five, I'm, I'm kind of working on some of the screenwriting and then maybe later on I'm working on the novel or how, how is your day broken up?
2: Yeah. Um, so lately I've been kind of either, or like if I have screenplay stuff, I just do that because I only, you know, only have a couple hours a day when I can work right now because my kids at home and, um, my wife is a professor. So we, our days kind of, our time is, she doesn't have a set nine to five either. So it's, it's kind of good. I get a couple hours here and there. I'm a morning person. I've been getting up at like five 30 in the morning and working for a couple hours before breakfast. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping I can shuffle that time over to the book now. Um, but I may mainly been doing scripts and stuff then. And then like late morning, if I'm not running, uh, I'm an avid runner. It kind of, it makes my brain shut up. Um, mm-hmm. But late morning I, I write some more and sometimes late afternoon, I get a little bit more time to work also. And if I must, I do it after my kid goes to bed, but I really try to wind my brain down because I, I uh, it is so I can actually sleep so I can rest. I feel like if I just kind of step away from the computer and go to bed, I'm not going to sleep well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I'm, so I'm kind of trying to find natural, healthy ways to do that. So I really cut back on like drinking and stuff over the last year or two
0: too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think I just came to the realization recently that I don't like to drink. I haven't like, we never mm-hmm. drink, but I keep thinking I will one day <laughs> and I, uh-huh. I bought a bottle of wine. Cause I thought, Oh, we'll have a, a glass on new year's Eve at least. And I, like, we were like, eh, (laughs) I think it's just like, it is part of that. I mean, like I, we used to drink wine every night. This was years ago. And I, I I would like lay awake or, you know, like I would feel terrible in the morning. Um, And I'm discovering like, in order to get the work done, I have to make sure that I'm, you know, like, like you were saying, like you're an avid runner and I make sure that I exercise all the time and that I don't look at computers right before bed. And that, you know, it's like, otherwise I feel like it kind of gets away from me.
2: I wasn't drinking really heavily, but it was like, I definitely feel better when I don't do this. Mm-hmm. And I'm, since I'm a morning person, it's also like anything to avoid, like having to take a leak at four 30 in the morning <laughs> and then not fall back to sleep. Yes. Sorry, sorry if that's TMI, but like, you know. it's, not, no, no. Okay? Yeah.
0: like it's so true. <laughs> I just want to stay in bed as long as I possibly can.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's valuable.
0: I was just going to ask you what it feels like to then have a book out in the world. Um, And I mean, compounded by the fact that now it might possibly be a a TV show that does feel, you know, um, of who you are. So maybe it's, it's fiction, but it's, you know, like it might be a little personal as well. You know, like, how does it, um, I guess I'm asking because whenever something, whenever uh, a book of mine comes out, it's sort of like the worst day of the book's life. So it's like, <laughs> even though it's supposed to be like this great, exciting thing, it's, it's also like, oh, God, I don't know. I'm just wondering how you feel about it.
2: Well, yeah, I'm, I'm, let me put it this way. I'm, I'm writing a book about a princess now so that I can feel <laughs> like I have some distance from it.
1: Because yeah.
2: I, I, you know, I, I put my whole self into the last book. So, And good things happen with it, great things. But that also means, at least for me, and once again, my terrible, insecure personality is like any good thing that happens just is not enough you know hmm. and any bad thing that happens is cataclysmically awful you know mm-hmm. kirkus kirkus didn't like it um and that fucked up like a month for me all right right before the kirkus
0: book is out. so you know
2: they were so nice to, to the first book too so yeah. it's like oh these are, these are the homies what's oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: um, yeah you're not alone there you're not alone there
2: but I, I oh sorry I, I live on a I live on a busy street and it's like right where two lanes come together so if there's anyone with like a hot rod or a motorcycle they
0: always gun it right in front of my apartment. <laughs> I, I like I it just you know. pretending like you're on a motorcycle while you're talking to us <laughs> and you just decided to like rev it.
2: No, if I'm paying for something with a motor, it's got a roof. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, but so it's
0: it's really really
2: exciting and also stressful. You know, it's having a having a book baby or whatever. I know mm. I hate when people compare other things to parenting, but it is that kind of emotional. Like I'm, you know, really protective of it. Um, and also like knowing that it's just going out in the world and I can't control it. And mm-hmm. that's actually been a cool thing about writing the screenplay is like, or the script, I don't, whatever. I don't know that, anyway. The book is my baby. And then the script is like me trying to make the most of an opportunity. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm just kind of open to whatever other people's, to the people I'm working for is input on it. Um, and it doesn't feel so precious. I'm not like, you're messing up my book. I'm like, you're paying me to do this, hot damn. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> it must be- like nice also to work with people on on it, right, like make something with others
2: um sometimes I mean I'm used to working alone, so in this case, it's been good. they brought in a, a someone who's producing the script who I'm working with um and like his him and his partner's feedback have been has been really, really helpful um you know, I feel like they're helping me make it seem both more like the book and more like a TV pilot Mm -hmm. at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, And if I may continue to kind of vague book over here, it's actually, he's an actor who who I like. He's like one of my favorite characters on a TV show I love.
0: Oh my gosh. Okay. When we're not recording anymore, you're going to have to tell us.
2: I will, I will spill the T E A for sure. Yeah. That's Um,
0: awesome.
2: But it's it's cool. The other thing I'm working, uh, adapting the sci-fi book and it's me and another like writer friend who are both used to working alone so we're. Like feeling out our dynamic in real time too, mm-hmm. um, which is which isn't as easy because we also we kind of have an equal stake in it, you know.
1: How do you guys navigate the, the just approaching that? How how's the work split up? How you guys uh, how do you guys go about it? That sounds that sounds right. As soon as you said that, I was like, oh my god, that sounds <laughs> difficult. Yeah. Uh,
2: well, we have complementary skills. I think I'm a little bit more character driven, mm. and he's more um, like he's better with plot and world building type of stuff cool so we tr- kind of try to get in where we fit in as much as possible yeah um and uh, yeah it, and and it, it's also like so just just figuring out the dynamics he doesn't have a kid and is more energetic than i am so it's like <laughs> please don't please don't send me three emails in a row i gotta i gotta respond to the first one first um <laughs> just things like that but it's That's on so again. la is it <laughs> I mean we are, we are secretly type away. a out here it's like pretend laid back out here everyone's actually really on their grind
0: just yeah. every thought in your head goes out in an email oh god
2: um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm just thinking about the ashes that my life would be if that was the case oh
0: god. <laughs> what's it been like being in LA in such a you know I know LA is is having a hard time during this pandemic yeah you know what's that been like with your family and and yeah getting your work done and all that
2: like during the pandeasy in particular exactly
0: Um, yes I'm so
2: I'm so tired of it that I'm calling it the pandeasy I'm giving the shit nicknames (laughs) that's been going on for so long oh it's the pandeasy here it comes again (laughs) um I mean I'm very grateful for uh we have a a large apartment um and a half bathroom (laughs) and a backyard um so all those things all those things are are pluses like we were in Virginia for the holidays, and it rained one day, and I like didn't know what to do with myself because I couldn't take my kid outside. We're both pretty <laughs> like into getting some fresh air, um, so in, in that case, it's like it's been good. I taught my kid how to ride a bike. We're outside every day. I taught him we're reading a lot. Um, they we're spending a lot of time together, uh, so that's been good. But it's also stressful, you know. I can't can't help but wonder if I'd be getting more done if uh, yeah. if if you know everyone wasn't here with me if I had more free time. But I also kind of know that like. If I had more free time, I'd probably be doing dumb shit, like meeting people for lunch or like going to try on clothes that I'm not going to buy. And it's like (laughs) nice to not have to do that also. So I still feel like pretty productive and focused on my work. Um, Yeah, and I I mean, I'm interested to see what life is like after. Uh, Like my closest friends lost their jobs and moved away. So I don't know. Yeah, how is it in Chicago?
0: You know, now it's winter so I mean I think I think it was same thing here like we have a backyard and that and we you know like we've taken this opportunity to go see like all the natural places around Chicago mm-hmm. um, and that's been awesome um, but it's also I'm t- I'm tired of it too I'm, I'm I'm I love being with my family and I love that we're all here and I remember thinking like I you know Ben has to go to work every day so he like misses so much, but now he doesn't, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, like even just going to the store is such a big production and like taking them, if, you know, if I, if I have to take one of them or all of them to the store with me is like, so, so much. And, um, I don't know. And I definitely have not been getting as much work done as I normally would. Um, but I think any, (laughs) any work at all is, is a success.
2: Yeah, yeah. I'm just glad to be getting done what I do get done. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I, I, I had a two and a half hour Trader Joe's boondoggle today. day. I know what you mean about the slog of getting food in the house. Yes. Alex, yeah. do, do your kids even like, get what's going on?
1: Uh, I mean, the the biggest impact on my oldest, on my older daughter, you know, it two and a half is just not seeing other kids because, you know, the pandemic's been going on so long that it's not like she was really of the age where we were doing a lot of play dates before it started, but now Mm -hmm. she's kind of in like the sweet spot where it'd be like, Oh, it'd be so fun to, you know, meet up with some kids and run around or whatever, but that just hasn't happened. So when we, you know, take walks around the neighborhood or something like that, if she sees a kid or, you know, of any age, uh, she's losing her mind, waving, trying to get Mm -hmm. their attention. And, you know, that kind of stuff is wrecking to me, but, yeah, I got to be honest, the, the, my wife has worked from home and I am so, I feel so spoiled by that. And just the time that we're having together. Um, even though it's intense, like absolutely. I, it, it's an intense uh, dynamic in the house, <laughs> but uh I like, I don't want it to change now. I'm like, don't go back to work. Just stay. I don't know. Yeah. I, sometimes when things, uh, even when things are difficult, I'd prefer them to just stay difficult as long as they're not going to change so I can know what to expect. Mm-hmm. And I'm a, I'm a little bit in that mode right now where I'm just like, man, I don't know. There's aspects of this that have become really nice. But I also, I don't really, I'm not a believer in an after yet. I'm still so like, we are so in this still. Uh, I don't know. I, it's hard for me to even imagine an after. Um,
0: yeah, Chris, Alex works at a grocery store.
1: Oh, okay. So my, my whole work life, my whole like day to day now, Chris is like, you know, just either getting rid of people who aren't wearing masks, dealing with that aspect, just making sure, uh, you know, coworkers are safe, that kind of thing. And then obviously doing all the normal stuff that a manager at a grocery store would do. But so I'm just like, because I'm so public facing with my day to day job, it's like, I am, it's hard for me to think about like an after, although I will say, my, my good friend, Pat, who works at a nursing home, got the vaccine today. And that was Yay. just like, so oh. amazing. I know you guys, I'm sure have friends and stuff. who are starting to get it. And it's like, it's yeah. so beautiful to start seeing these pictures and stuff. It's amazing.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I feel like that's kind of giving me a case of senioritis too, where I'm like, can we get this shit done? Mm-hmm. Right. And that there is actually some sort of light at the end of the tunnel. And I agree right. that whatever the after is, is going to be different yeah. in some ways that I can't even figure out yet. But man.
0: I know. And it's also weird because there won't be like a, there won't be like a definite day where it's after, you know, it's like the vaccine's going to take forever and you know, it's just going to one day, I think we're just going to kind of look around and be like, Oh, Oh, okay. (laughs) We're in the after now. (laughs) Yeah. I think, I
2: think you're right. Yeah. I'm trying to think it might be like when I do something that I can mark as being different, like Mm. when I go back and swim laps at the pool or like, there you go, go to a concert or something. It's weird just being around people. We were, so we we drove cross country and we're as safe as we could be. We quarantined for a bit and took like COVID tests and then spent time with my wife's family. And I was like, man, it's like overwhelming to be around four other people right now. Oh my mm-hmm. God. What's, yeah. what's it going to be like
0: if I have to ride a train or something? It's <laughs> going to be so strange.
1: Yeah. The mass too. I, I I honestly think just in a lot of the things I'm going to do, that's just going to be a part of my life for the rest of my life. I feel like, so dependent on the mask now i it's hard to it's hard to think about not wearing it in certain situations i don't know i I feel like i'm probably going to be masked up in a lot of situations moving forward i don't know
0: we get sick so much with uh, with our three little kids when they're in school or you know just out in the world we we get
1: what were you saying norovirus we get norovirus
0: constantly right right cuz they're just gross. They're just little gross booger eaters, <laughs> you know. And, and so I'm like, hmm, we should wear masks until they're like 12."
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I had to google norovirus. Lord. Okay. It's
0: the, it's the it's the the diarrhea puking sickness. Oh yeah, okay. The stomach bug oh, sickness. Oh, that one, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and it's always, you know, it can't ever just be like, oh, my stomach hurts. It has to be always just like the absolute worst, like exorcist, mm. all the towels and sheets are <laughs> disgusting. Anyway, I was going to ask you, Chris, yeah. um, <laughs> yeah. do you reward yourself after you feel like you've gotten like a, something finished or? Hmm.
2: I'm trying to think about the last time I really finished something and just didn't have something else I needed to do immediately. You know? <laughs> the life mm-hmm. of um, a writer. It it depends. I, I will... I. Sometimes I I will do things like I'm not going to smoke weed until I'm done working on this or like, Mm. I'm I'm not like, I'm not like a huge stoner or anything, but, you know, just, just things like that or like, maybe like sometimes waiting to buy something that I might Mm -hmm. want, Mm, um, mm -hmm. you know, trying to kind of keep an eye on what I do with my spending. What about
0: like, what about like when NPR says this is a must read?
2: Oh, um, <laughs> do,
0: you, do you treat yourself at that point, you know, like, or when someone said, or when catapult says we want to publish your book, you know, right, like,
2: right. um, I, I, the NPR thing, speaking of diarrhea, I was on the toilet. My mom sent me the link. Um, that's how oh I found out, that's beautiful.
0: <laughs> but I was just, I was like, speaking okay. of Terry gross. Hey,
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: yeah. Oh yeah. That morning got eclectic. Um, <laughs>
0: it's the highs it's, and the lows uh, honestly
2: it's back going back to the thing about like h- how and every good thing that happens is 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 good but not good enough i was kind of like this this is amazing this is exciting i'm kind of on a high from that all day but i'm so scared of when that high goes away and if anything else is going to happen mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um i'm sorry if i sound like completely joyless or ungrateful when i mm-hmm. say this stuff but it's no. real
0: no it sounds um, like otherwise... you've been a writer for many years is what it sounds yeah. like
2: to me and I also sometimes it's it's just like t- taking time to not write when I'm doing when I something good happens. Mm. Um, you know, a t- a t- finding a way to find some kind of clear out my head and get ready for the next thing, doing doing some L.A. stuff like some yoga or yeah. lying around going on a long run um, or even just like getting dumb in front of the TV for a couple hours at night mm. instead of working on stuff.
0: Sure. Um, those are
2: all kind of sad dad rewards that I allow myself, <laughs> you know.
0: That's the stuff right there, okay? Yeah. That is the stuff. Buying a bottle of wine and then just leaving in the fridge, you know?
1: Yeah. <laughs> I know like, you're Someday,
0: crazy. someday. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, give us your thoughts on publishing with a smaller press.
2: Yeah, uh, if you're going to work with a smaller press, uh, that's a good chance to have some more creative control in certain ways. You probably have more of a say on like what goes on the cover of your book. Um, and you will, you will end up probably with an item with a product that is close to your own vision um hmm. and i think that's, that's a really good thing i came from the kind of punk rock world of doing things on a like handshake record deals and photocopying hmm. covers and being involved in the process from beginning to end so i think there's something very attractive about that to me even if it also means that you're kind of limited to your own resources into the ones of of the small press if you're working with a bigger press they might have more of a reach of getting your book into hands and on shelves that you might not be thinking of otherwise, so it's kind of that finding something a place where you can strike that balance. Here's my cat meowing at me. Um, <laughs> finding a my place. Where love you can...
0: small presses.
2: Wallace, come here. Uh, so <laughs> finding <laughs> finding a place where you can kind of strike that balance between creative control and making something you like, and also having you know more reach something that can make your circle kind of bigger. You yeah. know, my kind of ideal is like making stuff that I like with people that I like making mm-hmm. cool stuff with people I like um, and you can do that at a small press you can also do that at a slightly bigger press too um, but you know I think different things work for different reasons and I also hear about people that work with bigger presses that feel really lost in the shuffle so mm-hmm. I think there's there's a downside to everything that's definitely probably a big takeaway from this pod from all the stuff I've said over the last few minutes um, <laughs> but they're also you know they all have their upsides and figure out uh, what are the right ones for you.
0: I love it. Thanks. Chris, if people want to find you, where should they go?
2: Oh, um, Chris L. Terry, um, Twitter, Instagram, whatever else uh, is probably your best bet. And you can find Black Card uh, on bookshop.org or pretty much anywhere online.
1: Awesome.
0: Well worth the purchase. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Chris. Thanks, Chris.
2: Thank you. Thank you, Lindsay. Thank you, Alex. This has been great. Yeah, this is fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I I don't know why, but I was worried about tonight because I haven't I I don't know. I just I think cause I um I had a long day. And so I was like, oh no, I'm gonna suck tonight but it was great. I think it went really well.
1: This was great. Yeah. I mean, super nice guy. I, I kind of am like, I don't know. I'm like, I feel the same for every single one. And it's a little mysterious to me, like why some of them pop and some of them don't. I I think it's just like sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. It's like, you know, I mean, a lot of it we're in control of obviously and you get better at it or you don't. But yeah, I don't know. I, I get, I get like equally amount of equal amount of you know, nervous, not nervous, feel like I'm stumbling over my words, feel like I'm not, I don't know. It's just, I think it's just kind of a, a roll of the dice.
0: Yeah. I think, I actually think we should leave this in the pod. Like, I think we should talk about.
1: This. Oh yeah. That part's fine. Sure.
0: No, like, I just think like, it's, a, I think people should know, like, this is also something we're making, like we're writers, but we're also trying mm. to make this, you know? And, yeah. um, and, and it's coming, you know, like we're coming straight from our real lives into this and um so it feels i don't know sometimes it feels great and sometimes it feels strange right
1: yeah often it feels both yeah, yeah for sure um but also i mean i think it's funny because i think my my approach to getting work done is similar in some ways to yours i feel like maybe you and i write a similar amount but I definitely have never like I reading something I'm working on out loud to me, you know, it it would happen occasionally if somebody asked, but it's not a part of my normal routine at all. And especially after you read or like with you, because in my head, like if you were to ask me, like, who is your favorite reader? I mean, I'm not even kidding. I would say your name. I would say uh, Lindsay Hunter. Wow. So when I that is not bullshit either. And so it's like when I'm reading with Lindsay Hunter every night, I'm like, fucking Christ. But talking with you is different. It's like, it's fine. I have no problem doing that. But I think you, you, there's so much joy when you read and it just, it's so clearly a part of your process that for me, it's kind of funny to fit around that or kind of modify what I'm doing to make it, work in some way. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I'm mm-hmm. also I don't know if I believe all of that 100%. You know, it's like I'm thinking about it out loud here.
0: Yeah, I think you um listening to you read is actually quite pleasurable, if I can use such a weird word. Um <laughs> <laughs> like you're it's it's calming, but also like you have this wryness that works really well with what you read, what you write. So, I don't know, you're too hard on yourself.
1: Mm, well, we both are for sure, as like, Chris is too. Oh my God! Just hearing about kind of where his head's at with all that he's accomplished recently is kind of wild. I mean, that I guy. A lot of people, including myself, would probably kill to be in that situation. Um, I mean, he's kind. Of, that's kind of the dream. It's to
0: be so daunting, too, right? Like, yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. But wouldn't you want that shot? I mean, oh my God.
0: Hell yeah! I remember after um, "Eat Only When You're Hungry" came out. Uh, my, I I had a TV film agent all of a sudden and he was like, he took me out to lunch when I was in LA and I never felt more amazing and cool. And he was like, just write a pilot, just write a pilot, you know, just do it, send it to me. And I did. And he never spoke to me again.
1: (laughs) You mean, you mean he didn't even respond to the pilot?
0: He did not even respond. And I waited a few months and I checked back in and he didn't write me back then either. (laughs)
1: Have you spoken to other people who have had similar experiences?
0: Uh oh yeah, I think this um uh there was like a Twitter thread a couple years ago where people sort of talked about it. Roxanne had an example, Roxanne Gay had an example and made me feel much better. Um I can't remember exactly what it was, but oh yeah, it, it it's it happens all the time, but it's Jeez. like I <laughs> it was oh me gosh. shooting my shot and it was a complete brick.
1: <laughs> what did you get to eat for lunch when he took you out? oh, we went somewhere that was like
0: a like a classic brunchy place. And at the table behind him, so behind his head was Miranda July with her friends. Give me a
1: fucking break. And
0: I was freaking out. I mean, you know, I kept it together. I kept my cool. But I was like, I'm having brunch with my TV film agent at the restaurant where Miranda July is. I have made it. And <laughs> that is so
1: funny. Oh, my God.
0: Yeah. And I thought for sure, like, if it sucked, he would say,
1: no, hey, this, this isn't it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like the, not this, do something else or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he just never spoke to me again. And I, <laughs> and I have friends who have him as an agent. Um, and I still, and, you know, Oh yeah. As wow. a TV film agent. Yeah. 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 And I almost asked Chris if it was his agent as well, but yeah, Nope. I, I'm <laughs> <laughs> dead. <to him. laughs> and I still, I, I think about that pilot all the time and I'm like, what well, it was funny. I thought maybe that was the kiss of death. If you think something you wrote was funny, mm you're you're
1: dead in the water see but i don't know if you believe that either remember what we told megan when she was reading her thing and she was laughing and it was like such a great sign and i agree yeah. with you i think yeah. that there's something i think i think usually you know and
0: i think so too although i will say it was shortly after i found out i was pregnant with judith my third and which if in case people don't know happened even though i had an iud and so I was seeing like a bunch of things like crashing down in front of mm-hmm. me and I wrote it in that moment and I kind of wrote a pilot about that. Oh, and wow. yeah. And um like like you know considering abortion and all that stuff which I thought was like kind of cutting edge, bro, but no. <laughs> he was like, <laughs> "Oh my god. <laughs> oh well, maybe I'll have another chance."
1: Uh um, I
0: didn't get any work done. Don't even ask me.
1: I I won't. I won't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, school starts I again tomorrow, so I'm hoping. Good. Oh, it does? It yes. does? Uh, For how many of the children? Two
0: of my children will have school tomorrow. Okay. Which is excellent. I so love that
1: good. I asked that even though our daughters are the same age and-
0: I don't know. She's you know?
1: definitely not going to school. Well, I don't know. Yeah, I really don't know. I, I can be- I can be as clueless about just about anything in the world as anybody. So (laughs) plural adverbs. Oh, my God. But yeah, so I got um, I finished the. uh, I printed everything out, finished like the hand edit, you know, like going through with a pen on the printout. And I have like 30 more pages just to type back in and I'm sending it in tomorrow morning.
0: Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, that's so exciting.
1: I'm excited. I'm excited, but like I I just, oh, my God, <laughs> just, uh, I don't know. I Definitely for me, I would love to hear your thoughts on this. Writing something with an agent has been such a different experience than not. Um, mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. first two books, I did not have an agent. Very small presses, um, and actually, what Chris said I thought was maybe the the best articulation of what it feels like to publish with a small press I've heard just that you can get very close to your vision, but the unsaid part of that is a lot of times that means just be and just because of you know lack of man or woman or whatever power you know, there's not a huge editorial team. There's not a marketing team. There's not, it's, it's, you know, the presses that I worked with, there was one or two people. And so even if those people are amazing, which they were um, they aren't bringing a whole team to this book, you know? Mm -hmm. So the thing that's been different with the thing I've been working on, and obviously, you know, we're still a super early phase is just to have someone be there editorially throughout the process as my agent has been, has been so different. That's, it's been a wildly different experience for me. So I don't know.
0: Yeah. I think I would feel like a lot of anxiety about that. I would say like my experience with my agent is that he's not like that. Mm. (laughs) Um,
1: Right. And you know, actually
0: I will say I did write a book when I, I did panic, write a book when I was pregnant with Judith. It was a what I thought was a YA novel and I sent it to him and he did send me some very thoughtful notes on that, which was basically like, I love this character, everything else, so, you know, like but in a very God. thoughtful, like, um, like like helping helpful suggestion type of way. Mm-hmm. But I think, I think if I knew that he was going to, cause I know lots of people, lots of other writers have, that kind of relationship with their agent where the books get sent back and then they get sent back and they get sent back until it's what you both agree is ready to go. Right. And um, it sounds torturous Mm. because it's like, but then on the same token, it's like, okay, then I can trust that this person really believes and knows how hard I worked on this and that we worked on this and it's a thing we're making together. And so I think, you know, if you trust your agent, if you, if you agree or can push back, you know, Right. I don't know. Does it feel weird? Does it feel good?
1: I know. I mean, it feels, I guess, I guess what I'm saying is I, it's strange to have someone so invested in it as I'm working on it. When that has, when before, you know, it was just me working on whatever, sending out whatever. And, you know, there'd be some edits here and there, but like, for the most part, here it is. So having someone involved editorially throughout the process has been honestly validating it makes me feel like I'm a real writer you know like oh my god and so yeah but you know what I mean I mean I you know it's just like when I was thinking about when Chris was talking how how tough you know writers can be on themselves and I think it's just because for so many of us always the successes are so small and so hard to Mm -hmm. even see from the outside maybe like literally invisible from the outside and there's a kind of like you know just stair stepping your way to something slightly bigger or not that happens and it can just be just crushing so I think any kind of uh, support I can get along the way I will accept for sure Mm -hmm.
0: yeah you're not alone right like right you can yeah I think that's, I think that's cool.
1: So we'll see who knows. I know um, That's it. Yeah. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I know. You know, um, I did not want to read something on my own tonight. I just was like, I'm over that. Um, and one of the reasons I'm excited to send this book in is cause I'm, I feel like I haven't been able to read really. And so I started reading Sandra Newman's most recent novel, the heavens and, Nine pages in, there was a paragraph that I thought was just so well-contained and really just uh, was a great example of, you know, someone who was thinking in paragraphs. It just felt so complete to me, and it's just a description of an apartment. I'm not going to set it up at all, but I just, the way this paragraph moves, I just wanted to read it because I thought it was wonderful. I'm excited. Yeah. It was breezy and wonderful in the apartment, which had two floors and 12 rooms and belonged to the rich girl's uncle. It hosted his collection of African drums, and for this reason, somehow this knowledge had filtered through to everyone. The air conditioning was meant to be always on and the windows closed. The drum skins would perish in humidity. Presumably they were from a dry part of Africa or were meant to be reskinned periodically by a cast of craftsmen who had died out whose descendants had become engineers and postal workers. In any case, the windows were open, the air conditioning was off, and everyone kept looking at the drums, discussing them, aware that this party was subtracting from the drums' lifespan. Likewise, Ben now imagined the drums as sacrifices to whatever this was. Yeah, that's the, that's the stuff. It's just the way that opens up in the middle and gives you a sense of just so much a bigger world and then becomes focalized back through Ben at the end and his consciousness is just like magic that is a magic Mm -hmm. paragraph
0: I will say um not to sound like Donald Trump uh talking about Abraham Lincoln um but I feel like more and more people are talking about her like her work but also just like if you read her just even her tweets are a gift you know that's our recommend for all of you. Read Sandy. Yes. Alex knows her by Sandy.
1: I wanted to say Sandy because then I could have like a Deborah Treisman moment. Like when she has someone on the New Yorker pod and like the (laughs) the guy's name, Robert, it's like, all right, we have Robert Smith with us today. And then she'll go, Hey, Biff, or like, whatever the fuck. And it's just like, (laughs) I just, those are, those are beautiful moments. So I had to get that one in.
0: We have to do that to our guests from now on. Just like yeah hey buckaroo you know just like that's that's what they're called the rest of the time
1: absolutely is that all we got
0: that's that's it thanks everyone for listening Bye. Bye. i'm a writer but is recorded by alex higley and me Lindsay hunter in our respective basements because there's a pandemic out there please wear a mask Yeah. yeah, yeah. editing by Lindsay hunter music by max loop